everybody. My name is Christina Magro, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to the Police Hustle Responsibly podcast. Today, I have Matt Cole with me and Chef Juke from Frontier and Ina Mays. And how are you feeling today, Matt Cole? Uh, I'm great. I'm really enjoying this warmer weather. It's been a real nice turnaround. Uh, and I've also been getting a bunch of texts from my sister with pictures of her new kids that were just born last week. So uh, that's been like, that's been fucking great. Like it makes me super happy to wake up to those, those little guys every day. Uh, how are you doing, Max? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, uh, sun is shining here in Chicago. It's melting all the snow. Um, I feel like the sun is a game changer just for mood sake. So um, you know, I'm excited. You're seeing like small little sprinkles of spring here. We got like a whole 40 degree day the other day. So it's like, you know, just celebrating the small victories. Uh, how are you doing, Chef Chu? I'm doing really well. Uh, the sun is nice to have, you know. Chicago tends to do that to you, you know, <laughs> just when you think it's it's the worst, you know, it, it turns around and you're like, you know, it's not too bad. So, <laughs> so yeah, the snow's disappearing. And, uh, you know, like you said, the, the moods are getting better around here, too. Yeah, it's so important. And I feel like we just went from getting dumped on with snow to like a little hearing birds chirping. So that's huge. Um, but we're going to jump right into it. And um, Chef Jupe is somebody that I've always admired from afar. So I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Um, and for folks who aren't in the Chicagoland area, do you mind telling us um, a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Chef Jupiter. Uh, I have Frontier Restaurant as well as Zainame Tavern here in Chicago. Uh, both of them are in a Wicker Park uh, neighborhood. Um, I've had Frontier now um, was just ten years in uh, in, in February uh, earlier oh, yeah. this month. Yeah, Facebook gave me the reminder, uh, <laughs> and so. And, and Ina May, I've had now for uh, we're going on three years over here, uh, and so you know, just pandemic, the, the pandemic life in the restaurant industry, you know, uh, has has been you know, tough to say the least, but, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's created, uh, you know, a different character, uh, in myself, uh, and it's, it's made me appreciate, you know, everything a lot more, um, as well as, uh, you know, want to fight harder, uh, you know, once we get back into, you know, more and more, uh, stages of, of, of our you know, normal lives or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've been here in Chicago now since 2003. Uh, I've worked in quite a few places here. I taught culinary school over at Washburn uh, for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I love Southern flavors, you know, being from New Orleans. Uh, and so that's always kind of been in, uh, you know, whether at the very forefront, like at Ina May or, you know, uh, Frontier has always had you know, those, those Southern hues, uh, you know, to the menus and, uh, to kind of the way we do, do things, um, over there. And so, so yeah, uh, that's, 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 that's a little bit about me. Nice. Um, so something that I've always noticed and heard of is how involved that you are with the community, even pre-pandemic, um, so has that always been something that you've, 
um, has that always been like a style of your hospitality or is that something that's always just been really important to you that you bring into the places that you work? It's always been something that's been important to me um, because I've been, I became an executive chef when I was, I was pretty young. I was like 22. Um, and so I've had a lot of control um, over my, you know, kind of environment uh, for quite some time now. And one thing that I always, you know, I still to this day, I think that if you have a platform or you have access to a platform, you you have to utilize it, you know, and some people, you know, it could be a use your platform to, to get money, you know, get power to get back or whatever, you know, but, uh, you know, my little platform that I've created, you know, allows me to touch people through food uh, and, and it, I really, I really enjoy it. Um, I started cooking when I was 15 years old. And so, um, in, in a restaurant, you know, and so for me, uh, I try to do a lot in the black community, um, mainly because a lot of people don't do a lot in the black community or just specifically for black people. Um, and so, uh, and, and create opportunities, you know, that's the biggest thing that blacks lack in our communities is, an opportunity, you know, it's not that, you know, we don't want to do these things or we don't have great dreams or aspirations. It's that, you know, it's not, we can't access it, you know? And so, uh, you know, if, if anyone tells me that it's a, 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 you know, a young person that wants to be a chef, uh, you know, and they want to get into my restaurants in any capacity, then I'm gonna make sure they get into the restaurants. Um, you know, because I feel like that is, that is huge to be given an opportunity. And I've seen it work, you know, and I've had, you know, high school students that's working with me that was, you know, traveling from the South side, deep South, traveling, traveling from West side, you know, um, and, and having a job and maintaining a job and learning new things. And, and, you know, and I think that that is one of the, the main things that, you know, I can do to give back. And I, I try to do it as much as possible. That's incredible. Yeah, so man. how did, how did you start? Like what led you to the kitchen? How did you start cooking? I I started cooking with my grandmother when I was when I was really young, and so I I, I really I really appreciated um you know you know learning the, the, the flavors and and you know this, this food in New Orleans is so different uh, from everywhere you go uh, you know and I feel like if you if you know how to cook down in New Orleans you've at least you know, heard of or touched of, of, of some ingredients that are involved in Spanish, Italian, you know, uh, and, and some Caribbean uh, foods, you know, it's kind of, it has a little bit of all that in it, you know. And so I started cooking with my grandmother just casually in the house, you know. Um, but she took me to this uh, cooking class in New Orleans. It was the New Orleans School of Cooking. And I was probably like, I don't know, maybe like 13, 14 years old, something like that. And uh, Chef Elliot Roussel, who was the he was the executive chef at Brennan's at the time. Um, he's 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 not living anymore now, but he he was the guy because he worked as a dishwasher all the way up to executive chef at Brennan's. At the time, he was running Brennan's. Brennan's was like you know the at the top of the game, um, you know. And so I went to that class. We did red beans, uh, we did uh, gumbo, and we did uh, a pineapple coconut bread pudding. And so that was my first time seeing a chef, you know, like face to face and, um, you know, getting to see like the professional side of it all. You know, um, 
I watched some Paul Prudhomme on TV and stuff like that, you know, but like that was kind of the first one that I actually met. And so, um, you know, that kind of like really sparked the interest. And I would be cooking at home all the time. And even going into high school, my friends would be coming over. I'd be cooking stuff for them all the time. And so people in high school, they all knew I cooked. And then I did work study and work study, you know, to help pay for my high school or whatever. And I worked in the kitchen. And so there was a guy there. His name was Wade. He was like this older black guy, but Wade was like cool, like Jerry Crow, smoked a ton of cigarettes and stuff. And so, and so like everybody was cool with Wade, you know, and Wade was actually a really, really good cook, you know, but he had, you know, he was very content, you know, being the, the high school chef, uh, you know, and, uh, but I was learning a lot of stuff from him too. Uh, you know, while I was working. And, and even when I decided to go to culinary school, I went to Wade. I'm like, hey, Wade, I'm I'm, I'm going to culinary school. And he's like, what you going to culinary school for? You know, you can stay here, work with me and, and learn, you know, like <laughs> learn learn all the stuff that I know or whatever. I'm like, nah, Wade, I think I'm okay on that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was all kind of like just layering, layering. But while in high school, uh, a, a, a guy in my class, his name's Preston, he, uh, his family was friends with restaurant owners and on the West Bank, right? It was a place called Aurora Steakhouse. And see, and so that that even, that, that's the type of differences. And that, that was, I guess, a benefit from going to a Catholic school, going to school with some people that were wealthy and that had families that knew restaurateurs and all that stuff. Because you take that to the opposite side, like when I go to, you know, when I go to Fanger High School, you know, on 114th and Halstead, uh, to, to, to coach their high school team, you know, like a, a good chance that their parents don't know some restaurateurs that could get them in a job like, like that. And, you know, like we don't have those same setups, you know? And so Preston was like, Hey, I know you like to cook, you know, they're looking for a, a, a cook over there. You want to go work? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to go work, you know, but I, I wasn't driving. And, and then I was on the West Bank. I lived uptown at the time. And, and so, um, you know, the commute thing could be a little tough. I had to be dropped off, obviously. Um, but uh, I was a junior in high school, right? And so I went to my mom, like, hey, you know, I want to go and try to work at this place. And so she was she was all for it. Um, and so she would drop me off at, all the time. And then I was, my, my high school girlfriend was uh, a year, like a year and a half older than me or something like that. And so she was driving. And so she would be dropping me off to work and stuff all the time. And so I was getting there. And I worked at Fry Station over there at this place, and it was uh, it was crazy. Like it was busy, you know. It, you know, all you can eat catfish on Thursdays. I never forget that in my life, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was young, you know, but they didn't treat me like I was young. Yeah. And I don't treat my kids when I get, uh, you know, like young high school students. I don't treat them like they're high school students. I'm like, look, you you get paid, and then in Chicago, you know, minimum wage is about to be fifteen dollars an hour. You know, and I, like while I'm for that for a lot of reasons, I'm also against it because I can't take in high school students that don't know anything and pay them $15 an hour. You know, we just don't have that money. And, you know, like we just can't do it, you know, um, and the laws don't really allow me to do, you know, anything but pay them. You know, if I don't pay them 15 then that's illegal, you know. Yeah. And so. So, you know, like stuff like that, it, it, it really sucks because like the programs are are are, are so important, you know, and in the in the communities and uh, in, in these high schools, you know, a lot of the culinary teams, you know, there was a ton of them. You know, when I was I helped mentor the, the Simeon team and 
you know, uh, they, they won, uh, they won a state, you know, they ended up going to, uh, to South Carolina somewhere, you know, um, yeah, but you know, like, so like, it's a lot of, you know, but you need those programs to develop these chefs, you know, and develop, you know, inspire these, these kids and give them opportunities to, to be better, better prepared. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, like for me, um, cooking has always been uh, a, a way for me to to to, to share uh, a, a talent that I, I feel like I was just kind of born with. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, like you can continue to like hone it and all that stuff, but uh, you know, I, I've been seasoning food the right way since I was eight. You know, and, and so it's, it's cool. You know, um, you know, but. Uh, while working at that place, um, it allowed me to decide if I really wanted to do the cooking thing, because I think a lot of people were going to culinary school and then, you know, spending all the money and graduating and then getting into a restaurant and then figuring out they hate it. And then, you know, or like the money's not what they thought it was going to be, you know, and all of that stuff. And so, so I worked there, uh, I, I graduated high school. I went to Johnson Wells University in Miami. Um, and I did four years there, but I did two years of culinary. I did two years of food and beverage management because I always knew I was like, I was like, I'm not going to be a, a 60 year old chef, like in the kitchen or whatever. Like, so I have to learn business as well. Uh, and so it was good that they offered that program uh, uh, there. Um, and and I, I was able to get kind of like the best of both worlds in that aspect. I worked the entire time. Um, I was in Miami. Uh, I specifically jumped around at different restaurants, uh, just trying to soak up as much as I could uh, down there. Uh, but I, I was like, I was working at a lot of Asian places. Like, it, it, like uh, the first place I worked at down there was kind of like this. Uh, the chef was from New Zealand, and he had this uh, this place called Noah, which was kind of like Pan Asian food. And then he had he opened a place called Suba. Which was Suba was was more like that that New Zealand. I don't even know how to describe that food, but it was it was actually pretty cool. Um, and I, I worked there, and then I just went to I worked at uh, the Short Club Hotel, uh, which had Nobu and uh, and a place called Serena in there. Uh, and so it was just kind of like I really thought I was going to end up going in that direction uh, with food. Uh, and it was a place called. 190 that I worked at down there. Um, and it was a small place. It was in Little Haiti. I think they call it like the, it's like the Art Deco district or something like that. You know how they do all the neighborhoods and, you know, uh, but, and when I was at this place, it was like this little, like a, it's almost like a little house almost like in the middle of this neighborhood in Little Haiti. And the owners were uh, this guy, uh, it was husband and wife at the time, Alan and Donna. And so Donna was this, you know, like six foot two, like a black model woman. And uh, Alan was this Argentinian, like rock star, you know, like in a band <laughs> type of chef. And and so uh, that place was very important because, and I lived across the street, like I like literally across the street. And so I like lived in a place, but they uh, they pretty much just gave me the kitchen. You know, like once I got there and I started, you know, doing my stuff or whatever, it was like, all right, well, you know, Alan was doing everything in the kitchen at the time. His sister was my my only cook. And then I had the, the most amazing dishwasher in the world. His name was Ranielli. 
And uh, and so like that was it, you know. And so like every night the place it was small, but it'd be packed, you know. And they had live music, the place would be rocking or whatever. And I'll be back there just putting out all of this food, you know. But it I honed skills like crazy, uh, and they allowed me to be creative and do my own thing on the menu. And so from there, I got a call to move to Chicago from a chef that I worked for at the Shore Club Hotel uh, to work at a place called Narcisse. And uh, Narcisse was uh, was a champagne and caviar saloon. Fancy, fancy, had Versace plates, <laughs> like fancy shit, you know. And so, uh, which was expected because the chef that that called me up for the gig, you know, he was like fine dining, hardcore fine dining. And um, it was weird that he even called me for the job because we really didn't get along, like when we worked together, you know, when I worked for him, you know. So it's kind of weird. But looking back at it, and he he must have seen something some other qualities, the traits that I had that thought, that made him think that I was capable of doing that because I was only like 22 or 23. And um, came to Chicago, moved, decided to make the move, uh, took over uh, over at Narcisse and the chef, Jason, he left because like, they were supposed to be doing Narcisse in Miami. He was going to go back to the warm weather. Narcisse Miami fell through. He was like, Chicago's too cold for me. I'm out. You know, and so... This was like months after I got here. It wasn't long at all. And I was like, damn, you know, like now I might get some other chef in here that we might not mesh or style might not be something that I want to like work on the or whatever. And so I went to the owners and I was like, hey, you know, like I think that I should be the executive chef. And so um, they're like, okay, uh, like, you know, why? What, you know, what do you think? What's your style? All this stuff. They knew nothing about me. They didn't even know how young I was, to be honest. But I had this the GM there. Uh, his name was Nick Laro, and so Nick and I still talk to Nick to this day. But um, Nick was like on my side, you know. So Nick's like, "Yeah, man, now you're cool. Like you should get it, get the opportunity, all this stuff." And so Nick went to bat for me, and they gave me the job. And so I stayed in our seats for like two years. But the first year, I was probably like every day, I was just trying to figure out what the hell I was doing. Um, and then I kind of settled in. And I got you know smaller kitchen. Uh, I small staff, you know, I had, you know, three cooks, you know, and my dishwasher, Jose, uh, he was a dishwasher at the time, trained him up. Jose still works with me to this day. This was in, that was 2003. Jose still worked with me. And oh, yeah. so, uh, it gave me a chance to, now I had to elevate my stuff, right? Caviar. I had, I might've eaten caviar once at culinary school. They're like, you know about caviar? It's like, yes, I love caviar. <laughs> and so, uh, and so I, I go home, I start like Googling all the stuff to figure out how to, you know, caviar. But um, but I was I was I was finding my niche, you know, and then I started getting a lot of press and all that stuff was starting to hit because they were trying to do a, a revamp and make it more of a restaurant, not a it was like clubby, you know, and so um you know, that kind of started to trigger everything, right? And so I, it was a good spot to land to in a city like Chicago, big city or whatever, you know, it's easy to be great here and still not be seen, you know? And so uh, I left there to open a place called Bella Lounge. And Bella Lounge was, uh, was a larger spot, bigger kitchen. You know, I had probably, you know, I went from three cooks in, in Jose to, uh, you know, 15 cooks in Jose, you know? And so... Um, it was uh, a different challenge, uh, and but that too was like restaurant, and then like straight up DJs club place packed, you know, like nightlife type of deal. 
you know, um, but the place was, it was extremely busy. Uh, I just didn't really get along with the management as much because that, you know, they, they loved that the nightlife part, you know, and it was, uh, it was affecting, they, they would get really fucked up in there all the time, you know? And mm-hmm. so, it, you know, it was all kind of stuff that was happening in that place. And I got out, I feel like I still, I think I got out at the right time. Uh, they closed shortly after, um, I left there. Um, but it was a trying time for me because I got a ton of press there. I mean, this was like, you know, cooking for Michael Jordan and all these celebrities and stuff. The entire Yankees baseball team comes in there. You know, it was like that type of, it was a hot, hot spot. And so with that, you know, I got a ton of press and I probably thought I was a little bigger than I was um, because I, I left right time, probably three, maybe, maybe a couple months too early. You know, uh, I should have secured something and then left or whatever. But, hey, you live and learn. And so I left there and then I was floating a good bit, you know. Um, and I didn't expect to be floating that long. But it was like one of those things where I was still really young. You know, this is like this is maybe you know, four years into it, you know. And so although I was, had been an executive chef, the big guys wasn't about to hire me as, as an executive chef, you know. And, and so, you know. It was tough finding that, you know, finding that role. And and so um, I started, somebody, I think somebody recommended uh, this opportunity at Washburn Culinary School. And Washburn is part of City Colleges. They had a restaurant inside the, inside the, uh, the Sasso Cultural Center called the Parrot Cage. And so the Parrot Cage served as the final phase for the students uh, before they graduated. And, and so I thought that that was like perfect because, you know, I love getting placement for uh, African-American, you know, cooks. And so I was kind of like, I could, I could say, Hey chef, you know, I have, you know, so-and-so John, he's great. You know, you got any work, you know, you have any shots, spots for him. Um, and so I stayed there for a couple years as well. Um, but it was, it was a little slow paced for what I think, like, for that phase, you know, I still kind of wanted to get beat up and, you know, like, late nights and all of that good stuff. And this was kind of like, you know, service is over at 8.30, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just did your, you know, 40 covers and, uh, you know, like, and so it just wasn't, it, it wasn't right for me at the time, you know, but it was so crazy because they needed a black chef there so bad. Like, they, they, and, and, like, they were they were open as hell about it. Um, and I appreciated that. And they, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know if I, I, I might've gotten that job cause I was the only one, you know, <laughs> like, cause it was like, it was so crazy because in the interview they were talking about, um, you know, just the experience level that they looked for. And I was nowhere near that as far as like what you would look for as teaching and stuff like, yeah, I know how to do a whole lot of stuff in the kitchen, but all the technical stuff and all that, you know, I went to culinary school for, for two years, man. And like my, 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 my core training has been in the field, you know? And so it's, you know, we don't talk the same way in culinary school as you do in the field, you know? Uh, and, but they were, they were like, whatever, you know? And, and they gave me that, they, they gave me that job. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I liked it, but I think it was just a little too, too early for me, you know? And, but this entire time I'm looking for my own thing. You know, like that's that's that you know that's, that was uh, the the goal uh, the entire time was to find my own thing, and I took some lumps with that too. You know, like I had a couple 
potential partnerships that, you know, I, I, I wasted some time, you know, uh, working on that ended up falling through. Um, you know, and then someone had a, a mutual friend with myself and uh, my partner, Mark, um, was uh, I was trying to get her dad to, to invest in some stuff with me. And so she's like, she's like, hey, you know, Mark from over at Lottie's or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, we've met before. I'm not, I don't know him like that. And she was like, I think you should talk to him. And so, you know, uh, she set that up. We started talking. Started with, he had Pony. The Pony was about to open over in Lakeview. And uh, the chef was uh, is a good friend of mine, uh, Curtis uh, McGee. And so it was, a, it was a lot of little pieces in there. Like the, one of the partners was a bartender at Bella Lounge, one of the places I worked at. So, you know, like it was a lot of like, okay, I know him, I know him, I know him. And so I helped them get that, that place open, but it was still kind of like, okay, what are you, what are you doing? You know, I'm still in that float phase, you know, kind of freelancing here or there or whatever. Um, and change the menu format Lotties and looking around, looking around. And, uh, then we find, uh, the frontier space and frontier People always think that because of what Frontier is, I was like some avid hunter or I love the outdoors or something like that. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't, I've never even been hunting. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> and but, you know, we allowed the space to kind of shape what the concept is, you know. Um, and so initially you got uh, somebody who was me, who was all restaurants, right? And then I got my partner, Mark, who was all bars, you know, he's had, uh, you know, bodies for all these years or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's a bar guy, you know. Uh, and so meshing the two initially was was weird, you know, because he's like, let's put TVs everywhere, you know. And I'm like, well, no, because, you know, some people don't like TV and all that stuff while they eat dinner and all that stuff, you know. And so Frontier from day one to Frontier, where it's now are two different things, you know. It has totally evolved and we listen to people and we've made adjustments and, we failed, we've succeeded and all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that we finally got it right. I mean, we're riding, you know, back to back, you know, beard nominations. So, I mean, they finally noticed us, you know, deep, deep into the run, you know? And so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, that was that. And, you know, but INMA was always a concept that we were, I wanted to open, you know, this was the initial one, but frontier space didn't fit for INMA for me, you know? And so, uh, we waited and waited and waited and then, you know, the Beachwood location became available. We was able to, you know, secure that. And, uh, you know, it was a long build out. The building was was old and we had some issues with, with that stuff. But um, but it was, you know, it was worth the wait. You know, we get people in here from New Orleans all the time. It's like, this looks like New Orleans, you know, and that's kind of what what you want. And it, it, without all of this stuff, too, this, yeah. is all still, this is all this is all leftover. This is all leftover Mardi Gras. You know, this is Mardi Gras hangover decor. Uh, so yeah, but I guess that kind of takes us to now. And it seems like your journey up until this point has been like very interesting and you've done multiple different avenues and you've been in different types of kitchens. Mm -hmm. So you've seen, uh, several different kind of kitchen cultures and like, what are some things that you've noticed that should probably leave kitchen culture and um, how do you see that change happening? Yeah. And so one of the things that made me always want to 
uh, like run my own kitchen was that I hated being in kitchens with certain people. And so, you know, uh, the hotel was one of the ones that was, because uh, we had a big old staff there, you know, and so you had a, a whole lot of personalities. You had, you know, you had men, you had women, you had a lot of, uh, you know, like foreigners, like our islanders, as well as uh, Latinos, you know, that, you know, it was a, it was a, a pretty big, you know, hodgepodge of, of, of cultures uh, in, in that hotel, um, you know, but it's, it was always, you know, full of egos, you know, as well. And you have, you know, favoritisms and hierarchies and you have some bullying, you have some sabotage. And, you know, I think that the, the, the finer dining you go, the more cutthroat that shit gets, mm-hmm. you know, because the opportunities are so, 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 so fewer, right? Because when you, when you, when you're only in a fine dining game, you know, it's, it's not easy to hit the top, but once you hit the top, you're like, damn, now what I do? You know, like, you know, do I go to another place and do the same exact thing just for another five, you know, the, the Michelin star, yada, yada, whatever, you know, um, you run out of spots, you know, whereas my, my approach has been, yeah, I want to build successful businesses because that's what blacks lack is successful businesses. And so when you talk about, you know, a 10 year run uh, versus, you know, a, a ton of accolades and a five year run, you know, or a three year run full of accolades. I mean, we see that all the time. It's like as soon as you get Michelin star, you better watch out. You, better, you, you might close down, you know, um, because it's just it's, it's the pressure is so different. And. I, I just read somebody had sent me a text or whatever. I don't know. I don't know who 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 posted it or whatever. But it it was it was speaking on that. You know, like you know, when you get when you you you're, you're in it for the accolades. You know, at some point, you know, either either you lose that motivation or you hit all your goals, and then everyone just judges you. You know, it's like you know, oh, I went there. I don't think they deserve those Michelin stars. I don't think this and this or whatever. And the pressure is always on your staff and all that stuff. And so I just think that all of that stuff weighs in to the pressure in the kitchen. And so like cooks have always, we've always been, you know, pretty, pretty rough, you know, like as far as, you know, the the hours that you take and the, the abuse, you know, doing rushes and, you know, just all of that stuff. And a lot of that leads to, you know, heavy alcoholism and drug abuse, you know, and that's why we've seen that in kitchens for decades upon decades, you know? And so I think that one thing that the pandemic has done is it has exposed a a whole lot of people, you know, I mean, it was once, once all this stuff hit and everybody's running, you know, like, Oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Oh, I'm so sorry. And so, you know, it was, Hey, yeah, I knew that type of stuff, you know, happened all the time or whatever, just because you I hear it from from other, you know, employees or people that I've hired from other places. They're like, man, if this was such and such place, man, it was, you know, the chef would say this or whatever, the chef would do that. You know, and so yeah, at the end of the day, I think that people need to be just treated right, you know, and you know, you, you do what's right first, you know, and uh and then you should be okay, you know. So I think that the one good thing of pandemic is that that it has exposed a lot of the ill cultures that have been in the restaurant industry. And I think it's going to be hard to bring those back. 
So what do you think that like we should do as leaders to create like safer and more inclusive spaces for hospitality workers when we return after all of this? Well, you got to hold people accountable. You know, um, a lot of the fan favorites are a lot of the ones that people don't, that people have these reports of, of being mistreated at, mm-hmm. you know? And so the people, you know, like the audience, the same way that the audience goes out and they can yelp the living shit out of you, you know, about a 15 minute wait time on something, you know, like they can do that, you know, in defense of places that, uh, or in defense of, of staff or employees that have worked in places that they've been mistreated at, you know? And, uh, and so, I think people have a voice now, you know, like it's, it's, it's a bunch of different, you know, websites and things like that where they can put their stories out. Although I don't agree with all of them, you know, like, you know, it's, it's a couple of them that that's like, you can just put something on there and no one fact checks it or whatever, and you can get destroyed, you know, uh, on the internet. So I don't believe in that, you know, but I, I do feel like there are more avenues out there now for, uh, people to, 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 uh, voice their their concerns or voice their stories of of of, of, of abuse in a, in, a, in a workplace. So, as someone who you know has their hands in a lot of pots and seems to be like constantly evolving throughout your career, what are things that you do personally um, to keep your mind right, like to keep your mental health going, like day to day? And then, are those do you find that those techniques like carry over into your work and your like interactions with staff or do you feel like you're more of like a private person? Um, you know, one of the things that I always uh, said like about my, my establishments uh, in my kitchens in particular, even when I didn't, you know, have, you know, ownership of my places or whatever, but it was people, it'd be very hard for you to say that I mistreated you. You know, um, and, you know, we we had a when I opened this place, that was the first time I had ever been like taken away from Frontier. I would be there all the time, you know. And so even though we had a GM and all that stuff, I was always the the, the final say of everything. And so opening this place, um, you know, pulled me away from there. And it took, you know, maybe two months for things to just go It was like rapid, you know, unhappy staff, you know, poor management. Uh, I mean, it was just like it was just like stacking up. And so at that time, it was a lot of it was a lot. It's always pressure in open places or whatever, just because it's so it's it's crazy, you know. Um, And then I had that pressure of people like not liking being there. And that was the first time that, you know, I really had a stretch of, like, people, like, hating to work there, you know? And and so that was pretty rough, uh, you know, on the mental side of things, you know, for me. Uh, and so, like, I, I started seeing uh, a therapist uh, just to kind of, like, get a balance out of, like, okay, look. And I had never done that, never considered it. A friend of mine had suggested it because uh, she, she, was, she was like, look, I see it. Faithfully, you know, I got my therapist to talk to her once a week, whatever, Um, you know, but I didn't feel comfortable like the face to face thing. I was like, "Eh, you know, I don't really I tried it and I sat on and it was like, oh, you're not really that crazy. And I was like, damn, like, I don't know. What do I have to do? Like, how crazy do I have to be or whatever, you know, to like have you talk to me or whatever, you know? And and so 
I, I, I didn't want to get into like that side, like what are you looking at medicine and all that stuff? Like I, I just wanted to balance mentally and I thought that I could achieve that uh, with having a release, you know? And so I tried this, uh, oh, better help. All right. And so that was like online. They give you options. You could do, you know, you, you could have did the Zoom type of deal. You could talk on the phone. You could text, you know, whatever. And uh, and so that helped me because I started having a journal. I would write in a journal and they give you a reminder uh, every day. Like, hey, time to write your journal or whatever. And so I just write it again. And shit's fucked up today. <laughs> you know, and so uh, but it started helping. And I, I suggested that to a whole lot of people. Um you know, and I uh, I started working out. Uh, I do I do a lot of Muay Thai, and that was good because it's a release of you know uh, good release of energy. You know, you're hitting some stuff, uh, hitting people, and and you know you 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 know kind of balance out. Uh, and then once I started to really see results, I was like, okay, let's try some other stuff now. You know, and so so now it's like a it's a it's a real part of my you know, my routine is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working out. I'm, uh, you know, trying to, I'm always eat whatever I want, you know, but, uh, you know, try to, you know, add a little more, you know, plant-based into it or something, you know, to, 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 to balance it out. But, uh, and I think that that's helped a lot, you know, just, just feeling better, uh, you know, cause at one point you would just, you know, I would, and, and I don't drink much now, you know, uh, and at the time, you know, I was drinking, you know, say you drink. My doctor actually broke it down for me because I'm, I'm like, she's like, how many, how many drinks do you have a week? And I was like, well, I really don't drink that much. I mean, I have like a, I have like maybe one after every shift or whatever. So she was like, so you have seven drinks. You work seven days a week. Yeah, you have seven drinks a, a, a week. I said, um. Well, yeah, but then on Saturday, sometimes I might stay a little late or whatever. I might have like more on Saturday. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> it depends on what Friday, you know, like whatever. She's like, so you could possibly have like 20 drinks in a week. And so I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a lot, you know. And uh, so I, I cut the drinking down a lot. You know, it's not like I, I don't drink. I still have to have some cocktails, but, um, but you could, it'd be hard to find me catching and having a drink on a, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, or whatever, you know, just because I'm training the next day mm-hmm. and it's not worth that, <laughs> you know, for how I'm going to feel while I'm training the following day or whatever. So, uh, so yeah, that, that part's been, you know, it's been a, been a huge help. And I, you know, it's a lot of people ask me about like what I'm doing fitness wise, you know, I mean, it, it's crazy. Uh, you know, and then people start sending me pictures, you know, of, of from years back or whatever. You know, my partner, he he has a ton. You know, he sent me one the other day from 2015. You know, uh, and I was just like, damn, I was I was huge. You know, um, but uh, but yeah, feel good. You know, and I, I think that 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 helps. You know, to have that 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 fitness element, and then the the, the, the addressing the, the mental health side of things. You know, uh, I think it's helped me a lot. Yeah, I'm just now realizing that. I, I feel like I'm starting my fitness journey later in life as a former athlete. Late. Yeah. Yeah. I just like have always found it to be intimidating, but I was like, intimidation can't like 
scare me into doing nothing because <laughs> yeah. no but you're not the only nothing. one though like that's that was i was the same way and you know what the one thing that helped me and i've been this is my been my my number one suggestion of people that ask me like hey i'm trying to get into it or whatever like i know it could be pricey or whatever for for, for some of them but you got to get a trainer like you got to get a good trainer at least for a month because then at least you're going to have the the basics because like i would walk into a gym and be like all right like what 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 do I do? You know, mm-hmm. like what what you know, you got all of this stuff around, you got all these damn people around and all this stuff, but you know, it's it was really hard for me to kind of get a plan together, you know. And and so I got a trainer and now, you know, I feel better and I also feel like I'm not gonna hurt my damn self, you know, with more technique and all of that stuff. You know, and so I I'd suggest, you know, once but once you know, you know, and you might do the same routine every single week because that's the one you know. But, you know, you start there. You start there. I'm a big Goggins fan. You know, you know David Goggins? Yes. No. You know, uh, and so uh, stay hard. You know, like, he's, I mean, he's he's a tough-ass guy. I mean, you can't not watch him and not be like, man, all right, well, right, I'm going to get my ass up now. You know, <laughs> you know, he's, I mean, he has everything. He's Navy C. I mean, he's like everything. He's like they'd say the toughest, toughest goddamn man in the world, you know? Um, and, and so I started following him on Instagram and, uh, he was a really big guy before he went to the military. And, uh, he always tells a story, like not a guy that runs, like he runs crazy, like distances and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't think I might ever be a runner. I just, you gotta be chasing me to make me run. Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> you know, other than that, like, I, I don't, I just don't find any joy in, putting on some shoes and running damn six miles somewhere. Like, I'm not going to want to run back. Like, no way. <laughs> you know, like, if you get me to run there that one time, then I'm, I'm, I'm not running back. Like, I, you know. Um, but he's, he, I mean, he's very inspirational, you know. And it's, 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 it's people like him that I feel has you know, giving me like a little extra push, you know, where I could, I could have all these, oh, you know, I'm working a lot. I can't really commit to, you know, training, uh, you know, I'm working a lot. I can't do this or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I've, I've seen that fix that, you know, I got more energy. I got, you know, a six year old that she, you know, she loves to run and, you know, she, you know, I have to have energy to keep up with her energy, you know? So what are some things that you hope that others listening to this podcast um, can learn from your career? Like, especially the younger generations of the hospitality industry. Yeah, I mean, the hospitality industry is changing, you know, and I, I, I say that, uh, you know, people who want to pursue culinary, um, you don't have to go to school for it. You know, you can literally find your chef, find your favorite chef. Uh, find a style of food, you know, that you that you enjoy and that you want to learn how to do. And you go and you work there for free for a couple of days and you ask for a job. Like that wasn't the case, you know, like like when I was coming up in this, it was, you know, that's when it was still pushing the whole like go to college for everything mm-hmm. or you won't be successful, you know, and it was in the culinary school is the biggest crock of shit ever because now that's why they all that's why they all closing now. You know, they're all closing now. Because it, it, the, 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 it's been exposed. My school, Johnson & Wales in Miami, is closing down, you know. 
I'm like, y'all owe me a stove or some shit. I, 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 <laughs> y'all owe me something, like that, you know. But uh, so you know, but like that's that's uh, or even if you want to work in the front house, you can you can you can work your way. Like you can go to work at say say that you you haven't worked in a restaurant before. You, you're very new at it. You go work in one of the big brands, right? You go at, at one of the lettuce places. You go one of the Levy places or whatever. And you could get like their hardcore training program, right? You know, and they're going to give you the whole nine. Like the big ones, they all have them, you know, they give it to you, you know? And so you take those, you can work there for however long you want to work there. You learn some of the, the, the good basics and all that stuff. Hotels are good for that as well. Um, you know, just because some of the freestanding places, like sometimes even at my joints, like, the other day, we were short staffed, you know, like I'm bartending in here with my new manager and like, it, it's not ideal all the time for like a newbie newbie. They might be like, yo, this is not what I was expecting, <laughs> you know, but for us, we're like, hey, this, we survived, you know, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, so you can go and get that base training and stuff and then you keep all of that information because there's all some valuable stuff in there. Like uh, anything they give you, you know, you keep all of that stuff because at one point, if you want to be a manager, you're going to take all of that information that you've collected over these years and that's how you're going to build your training program for your place that you're going to be managing or whatever, you know? And so I think that it's, it's so many ways that you can get into this industry now um, without necessarily having to, you know, have these degrees and things like that. I, I feel like the restaurant industry has always been very friendly to those of us that couldn't figure out what the hell we wanted to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so, but once you get in it, you have to figure out something because it's, I think it's, it's, it's time limits on all that part. It's time limits on bartenders. It's time limits on servers. It's time limits on, on line cooks, you know? So, you know, you have to have a plan other than just right now, you know? And so you do that and then you can really chase your dreams, but you got to have a little plan. You got to have a plan. I ain't actually just have it all together, but you got to have a little plan and then, Get to where you want to get, especially the cooks. The cooks, I mean, like, there's no excuse for a cook nowadays to not be in a kitchen working. No excuse. Because if you really want to work, I know, I, I, I know every damn chef in this city, you know. And so we all talk about how, damn, I'm short. Now, you know, he's short, you know, staff, whatever. Like, so at this point, if you're a cook in Chicago, that's not working. It's because you don't want to work. That's great advice. So that's perfect for my next question, actually, for you. Speaking of um, always having a plan and kind of mapping out your future, what does your future look like? Um, you know, I want to I, I want to open I'm going to open some more restaurants for sure. Um, but I just don't know if it's going to be in Chicago. And so I'm looking at some other markets right now um, to, to possibly do something in. Uh, and so growth is definitely, you know, in, in the plans. Um, uh, yeah. And, and, and that's kind of, you know, for the most part, that's what I do. Uh, I, I would love to get some some real estate uh, on the south side of Chicago, uh, particularly in Bronzeville, um, because uh, Bronzeville was at one point, it was like Chicago's Harlem. Um, and uh it's uh it's lost all of that and it doesn't seem that anyone wants to bring it back and, and people keep telling me I'm crazy and then you know it just never will come back. But uh I don't know, still some still some real gut guts down there. I think it's uh 
you know, it's a, you, you should, you should, if, a, if you can, you buy up some stuff down there and, and hope to, to help curate, uh, you know, things over there a block at a time, kind of what they did to Hyde Park, but Hyde Park had, you know, the University of Chicago, mm-hmm. um, which had all the money, you know, and they, <laughs> and they, they, they can, they can do it that way, you know, whereas Bronzeville doesn't have that. So, yeah, other markets for sure, more restaurants, uh, got a little product line um, that I'm working on. So that's uh, exciting. Yeah. What kind of products? Yeah. Um, well, it's it's a few things that uh, that we have existing here at IMA, the, the biscuits, the, the the flowers that we use it to to season the the seafood and the chicken, and um, you know we have a couple of sauces, you know, on the hot sauce side of things. Uh, but my friend Stephanie, she bought a, uh, a candy store. Stephanie, Stephanie, uh, hard. She works, well, she owns Brown Sugar Bakery over on the South side. And, um, she just bought a, a, a damn candy factory place that's been <laughs> there forever. And, uh, now she bought that. It's on like 76 in Western called Cupid's Candies. So, I'm gonna do a candy bar, uh, and 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 have a little juke candy bar. Uh, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> add some protein or something. You know, like do like a little juke, just juke protein bar, or something <laughs> like that. You know, <laughs> you know I don't know. I I, I do want to. I, I I'm I'm gonna put an emphasis emphasis on following through with ideas that I think might just be stupid because people make oh, yes. money. <laughs> You look at something, you're like, damn, you know, like, I could have, I, I thought about something like that, but you didn't do it, you know? And so I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Just doing everything. I love it. Yeah, you know, I try. <laughs> so I have one final question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does the future of hospitality look like to you? If it was like a fairy tales and lollipops world where you can make anything happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that people are going to be, at least for the, for the foreseeable future, people are going to be uh, trying to protect themselves from, uh, you know, be COVID safe, not just from like getting COVID, from like, your business, you know, like your bar or your restaurant is going to have some type of, you know, COVID safe element, you know, to it, whether you're more casual, more takeout, uh, you know, people are going to try to protect themselves from, from failing during another pandemic situation. Right. And so concepts are going to be takeout friendly, you know, for, for, for a little while. Now, I think for probably for a long time. Um, and I think that you're gonna get some talented chefs and restaurateurs that are gonna be looking to go from fine dining type of stuff to more casual. We already see that stuff, you know, more casual stuff. So I think that you're gonna have a lot of really good food and some food concepts that are at you know very friendly price points. Um, and that's going to be a thing, I think, across the, the United States, um, you know, uh, because I think for another reason is that so many places have been exposed. I mean, it was happening prior to the pandemic, you know, but like, you know, with the with the Mario Batalis of the world and, you know, the John Beshers of the world, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And so 
all of that stuff was coming out, but I think it was like now it's like, all right, look, yeah, we're not tolerating that, you know, from from the the workers side of things, you know, like we're not tolerating it because, you know, we have some we have some options, you know, and we'll tell people that you're treating us like shit, you know, and so and people are gonna believe them, you know, and, and whereas maybe before they they wouldn't if you had enough accolades or you were, you know, a big enough chef or whatever, people might not have believed you. Or, you know, it was so much. I remember, yeah, you know, we didn't talk about that earlier, but like at one point, the chefs were were so feared in kitchens, you know, like that, you know, you wouldn't dare, you know, say anything about that chef or whatever, you know. And you know, I just, I never wanted to be that. First of all, I'm, I'm big enough, black enough to be fearful. No, like I can scare people if I want to pretty easily, you know. But like I've always wanted to have these kitchens that's like welcoming you know like i know that this shit is stressful at eight o'clock when the ticket the board is full and i'm telling you that i need the same thing over and over and i know that that sucks you know and so Mm -hmm. like it's you gotta have you gotta have some balance in all of that you know and and i think that my kitchens have always been kitchens and that's why i think people have worked with me for so damn long you know like i got you know my guy my, my cleaning company now Romero, he's another guy I've worked since day one, since I was one, one of the first people I've met in Chicago, you know, and so I've seen his kids grow up, you know, but, um, you know, you're going to have a difference in energy in the hospitality industry, you know, and I think that you're going to get some good concepts, you know, out of it. I think that some people are going to, you know, some some people have already disappeared and we, we might not hear back from them. I don't know. Some of these people are so, you know, so gone in this city, you know, I'm like, what happened to him? Like, I don't know. Close up shot, ran away, you know? And so, you know, you just hope that you get better people. You know, I, I, I can tell you what I don't want it to be is, is ghost kitchen, damn city everywhere. Like these ghost mm-hmm. kitchens to me, is like crap. You know, it's like, it's the only people that's going to make money in the ghost kitchens are the people that own the ghost kitchens, you know? And it's like, you know, and, and everyone that have these concepts in the ghost kitchens outside of like, the, the, the big brands, Chick-fil-A's and them, that's like perfect for them because they don't have to build a brick and mortar, you know, Chick-fil-A with a drive-through and all this stuff. They could put 25 Chick-fil-A's in ghost kitchens and have it available in every single neighborhood. You know, like it's, it's, it's perfect for Chick-fil-A, you know, but it sucks for, you know, for, you know, little Johnny's ribs who the, the package looks good to like, oh, I could get in, I could start selling my ribs who everyone loves you know, and it's cheaper for me to start this business, but they're, they're bleeding you. Like, you, you, you know, Grubhub's taken from you. The ghost kitchen's mm-hmm. taken from you. Uh, the, the, the the credit card process is taken from you. And so everything is pulling away from you. And then at the end of the day, you're like, damn, I don't I didn't, I actually, I've lost money. Right? Yeah. I've lost money, you know? And so, and these things are massive. You know, you have, you know, 35 kitchens and one, you know, and, and one ghost kitchen site, you know? The guy that owns it pulls up in a in a fancy Jaguar with a suit on, you know, and, and from from New York, you know, like he's not even from here, you know. And he like you, you, you know, you, you. I did the tour thing and it was disgusting. I was I was, I was so pissed. Uh, but yeah, I hope that ghost kitchens are not, you know, I don't I don't see how they survive anyway. You know, I would much rather, you know, what we, you know, if they were trying to do prior pre pre pandemic was all a little. Uh, what do you call them? Like the 
timeout market and all the food that. halls, mm-hmm. food halls, food halls, right? Yeah. Food halls, that's, that's, that's a little better, right? You know, like, I think it's tough surviving those two, but at least, you know, you, you got people, you give them a, a, a fair chance, like, to talk to people and to have, you know, like that, that type of opportunity. These ghost kitchens, like, man, they just fill up, rub up, rub up, it's disgusting. Uber Eats is disgusting. You know, like they they made so much money during the pandemic, you know, and they they just send you signs in the mail and it's like, put this on your door. We support small business, you know, like DoorDash, you know, like get out of here, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, but I think that it should be like once you're not, once everyone's not dependent on delivery, like it's got to be some parity somewhere. And then somebody's got to pop in a little, you know. Small, small guy, small woman, that business that's gonna, you know, challenge some of these damn grub hubs of the world or whatever, you know. It's a it's a place in in Atlanta, it's a company in Atlanta. They're black owned, I'm getting the name of it, but they have this delivery service, right? And it's yeah. all they got bikes, they got people in cars and all this stuff, and they just keep on growing and growing. And I was like, man, I, I, as soon as they, that that type of thing needs to just grow and you know, because the local is going to support that, you know, without a doubt. They just added Grubhub and, and all of them just added a, a Chicago delivery tax. So this Chicago, Chicago delivery fee onto it. This mm-hmm. is something, this is a new one. Like this is one, before they would just hide it all in like services and fees. Or you'd be like, damn, that's $7.43 for what? You know, and you have to click on it to see it. This is, a, it says Chicago, like food tax or something like that is $1.50 or something like that. I'm like, what the hell, you know? And Chicago got to get better. Are people going to leave mm-hmm. Chicago? You know, like, it's, 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 it's already happened, you know. And, and, and as far as, you know, the way that they support businesses, you know, like, throughout this whole pandemic, I've been getting inspected. I'm talking about, like, the, the big places in Chicago, the big wigs who ignored the rules completely the entire time, down on the, in the Viagra Triangle down there. And, and, you know, like, they don't care, right? And so they've been open the whole time. No problem. Frontier, they sent the task force over there at Frontier so many times, and every time they they come, they they couldn't give us anything. Like they nothing. Like we followed the rules, like you know, and we barely held on by following the rules, and they just kept on, I kept on. And one night, I was at dinner at a place, dining illegally inside the place, might I add, um, and I got a phone call, and. They had the whole task force at Frontier. And so they're like, they all had police, firefighters, city inspectors, everybody, right? And so I went there. And I get there, and the police are at the door, like it's been a, a goddamn, like it's a crime scene, you know? And I am livid, you know? And I walk in, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, who who who's in charge of this, you know? Like, I see on, all. If, if you really want to look, just look on social media. I see people posting in these places inside, not mm-hmm. socially distance, any of that stuff. You know, like, I got signed through. I mean, we follow all the rules. In the summertime at, at, at Ina May, you know, I, I was probably had six or seven times the inspectors came over here. All different times of the day. Yeah. Yeah, like, harassment. Like, like blatant harassment. Like, it was, it was, it was ridiculous to the point where it was about to be on damn NBC nightly if they'd have kept on messing with me, you know? Um, but you know, it, it's, 
is levels to the politics of Chicago, Illinois. You know, and we all mm-hmm. know that. You know, um, but at the end of the day, you know, we run businesses that that do follow the damn rules. So as much as possible, we too damn scared of getting caught. <laughs> you know, we follow the rules. You know, and so it, it's it, it, that that part has been you know challenging and and a bit disappointing. You know, uh, as well, uh, just because we, you know, like I said, you know, it's easy to see the people who don't follow the rules in the, in the city um, and they ain't trying to hide, you know. So uh, as we continue to reopen in Chicago, uh, you know, we hope that uh, we hope that we can get into a spring and have some some some, some real opening. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. already been too late for some places, you know, like even this little, you know, now that we can go, you know, 50 percent or whatever. It's too late for some places. Like they, they it's, it's 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 already over, you know. Right. And, and so it's it's extremely unfortunate. You walk down Milwaukee Avenue over here, and you know I counted yesterday, like six release buildings in a row on Milwaukee Avenue, in between you know two very busy Blue Line stops. You know um, what you would think is a very you know prime area. You know it is vacant vacant, 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 and you hope that it's attractive enough for some people to come over here, you know, but if not, then, you know, what do you do, you know? That's always been a big fear of the pandemic, and, and that's why, you know, as you looked around and you see some places, some cities are, you know, are open and some are closed or whatever, you know, I'm all for keeping people safe, you know, mm-hmm. but you have to understand what the results of that's going to be, and once you have commercial real estate that falls, you know, then the residential real estate follows behind. I mean, it's, that's that's what happens, you know. And a city like Chicago, that has been, you know, financially, you know, uh, struggling for in the state of Illinois, I should say, you know, has struggled financially for a, a long time, you know. And if Chicago can't support the state with tax dollars of the hospitality industry, then the state will go bankrupt, and that is that is reality as it, as it gets. You know, like it, I mean, Chicago could be what Detroit was when Detroit fell, and people will be like, "What? No way! No way! Like how? You know, like if you go downtown, like River North right now, how much real estate is available in River North right now? You know." That has to be concerning, yeah. you know. That has to be concerning, you know. And you know, love him or hate him, our former president, he said something when they asked him about, you know, the the, the restaurant industry. They said, well, you know, like when you know restaurants are failing, you know, or a small are closing, you know, um, all across the country, small businesses, you know, are, are, are dying, you know. And he said, the restaurant industry would be back. He said it might have different owners, but it's going to be back. And that is true. That's true. Be good. You know, and it sucks. You know, like it, yeah, it sucks, you know, but it's always going to be somebody that thinks they can open a restaurant or a bar or something like that. You know, some will be good at it. Some won't be. Um, but I think that, you know, for us, we just try to survive. And I think that once we get out of this part, we're, we're going to be ready to make a push, whether it's here or wherever else, you know, um, you know, the tavern group. Uh, you know, we're we're trying to trying to grow through the the rough times. 
Well, Chef Jeep, I'm really excited to see what you do moving forward. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to speak thank with you. us today. It was yeah, thank you. Pleasure. I appreciate no it. I love it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Tell Beck I said, what's up? Yeah, I will. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in today. And as always, I would like to remind you to please hustle responsibly. Mm-hmm.